Welcome to TechForce Africa, where we explore the important issues that are affecting businesses in technology in and around Africa. Now, for this week, we are excited uh, to be engaging with Bash. They are South Africa's largest uh, fashion and clothing omni-channel platform. And uh, they were actually launched this summer with the aid of the Foshini Group and uh, offer a range of products across uh, clothing, uh, technology products, as well as uh, gaming equipment. And actually, hoping uh, to tempt consumers and customers with over 400 categories of uh, goods across uh, men's, women's, kids, technology, um, sport, as well as jewelry. Now, for today, we are going to be chatting with Bailey Cropman, who is uh, the company's chief of staff, to get a sense of what the company's journey has been. Bailey, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, we are definitely excited to be with you today and to actually get a sense of what's going on in the company. But before we get into some of those nitty-gritties, yep. we do want to engage you a little bit, maybe with a little bit of an icebreaker, uh, just to get the ball rolling. So from your point of view, um, are you shopping in-store or online? Definitely online. I, uh, my, my background is in pure play uh, retail um, and I am done with going to shopping malls. <laughs> what an inconvenience. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then turtle or rabbit? Rabbit, I guess. Fast, <laughs> lots of mistakes, uh, but eventually make it along the way. We're certainly not slow and steady. Certainly not slow and steady. Yeah. And then past or future? Future. Okay. Experience or knowledge? Experience. Internet or metaverse? Internet. And then night or morning? Morning. Morning. All right, because it's still early days for yeah. the world of Bash, and there's a lot of complexity that comes with, uh, you know, running um, a startup of any kind and lots of responsibilities. So maybe you can give us a sense into what the size of the company is looking like, yeah. um, you know, at the moment, what do the roles look like? Where are you guys at the moment? Cool bit of analysis of me there quickly, <laughs> put me on the spot. Yeah. As you said earlier, we launched um, this summer, but we've been going for about 18 months. Yeah. Um, and Bash started initially as TFG Labs. Yeah. So just to give you a bit of context, we, we essentially started as the innovation hub within TFG, which is a massive, massive publicly listed corporate, yeah. 30,000 people. And, and the reason for that context is because we're talking about, I guess, tech issues and transformation. Mm. Um, and so lab started, we're now bash, we moved over and we have grown so rapidly when we kicked it off, we we're about 40 people. Um, and now we're just over 200 within 18 months. So that's oh, wow. super high growth, rapid mm. growth to kind of speed into what we want to launch, mm. the rabbit. That is rapid growth, yeah. you know, by any standard when you, you know, consider uh, the runway that startups, you know, usually go on. Yeah. And I guess it helps the fact that there is TFG, you know, as a backup, but still, you know, you guys are a startup. Yeah. And startups usually have an ethos, you know, sort of a code, uh, some values that yeah. they, you know, begin on. Have you found those core beliefs remaining? How have you maintained, you know, that? So for sure, we call them principles at Bash, and, and these are like embedded in everything we do. So they don't change in belief. I think our ethos on building a flat structure, giving people autonomy, transparency remains. If we want to move fast, you have to have those kind of structures. 
You have to break down silos, break down rules. So I think at the core that hasn't changed, but there certainly have been a lot of lessons. We all come from mostly startup entrepreneurial backgrounds. And we entered into a massive corporate and with this aim of transformation. So I think the principles have become even more necessary to yep. this mission. Like you have to stand for something, you have to believe in something and build a business in that way. So we haven't changed, but we've had to really double down on staying true to them. Interacting with different size businesses, you need to keep yeah. re reminding yourselves what you stand for and how you want to build. Mm. Um, because it just gets, it, it gets masked in a bigger, in a huge ship, you know, you're, you're tiny mm. compared to the bigger business. So it's an interesting dynamic, interesting challenge. And I think our principles kind of bind us. The more we embed those, the more identity we have. I actually like the fact that you, you are highlighting that duality, that, that tension that you guys have to grapple with. Yeah. Because it's a startup, but also, you know, part of a larger corporate. Yeah. And also the intentionality, you know, to have those principles be maintained and all of that, even um, across the scaling uh, that you guys are on at yeah. the moment. But how do you then ensure you know, positive employee engagement, because I can imagine that in an environment like that, it's one thing to have the principles, but you need to have, you know, your employees being behind whatever totally. it is that you're trying to do. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. I think that if you know what you stand for as a starting point, which we do, it, it almost becomes like growing at that rate, there's always going to be cracks. You have to be honest about it and I guess get everyone prepared to own the cracks, how are we going to fill them? So that's part of, I guess, our principles. It's like, you've got to own it. Accountability is important. No one can keep a handle on that kind of growth. So you need the right people. I guess that's key. Um, and engaging everyone in what we're doing. I guess we're all very honest about how hard this is. You're not just an independent silo. You have to challenge yourself in very different ways. So we've learned some lessons over the last 18 months. You've got to be very upfront about what you're getting into. Um, the challenge has to be exciting to break through. You know, often, and, and a lot of the startups, tech startups, you get to kind of run with this in whichever direction you can. Here the challenge is, can you transform it? Yep. We're dealing with legacy code, legacy systems. TFG has literally been around for 100 years. Yeah. So, you know, there's ingrained value, but you have to understand how to unlock it. Yeah. I interviewed an engineer the other day and he said to me, um, the beauty of kind of legacy systems is that they were built on first principles. And that's something we like push everyone to get back to. What are the first principles? So if you can pick them up, you can, you know how to transform them. So I think getting everyone engaged is super hard. You have to get them connected to the mission. Yeah. Um, Remote has made that even harder. Yeah. So where's everyone? How do you see them? How do you build relationships? We like to have a lot of fun. I think people take that for granted. It's an environment where you're working hard, you're growing fast, there's lots of pressure to innovate, but you need that, you need to let your juices go. Yeah. Um, so we're into having a lot of fun. We try and bring people together. We try laugh. Um, so it's not as, uh, you know, I, I think often you turn to HR people and they're looking for different tools. This is fundamental about relationships and personalities. So we love bringing people together. We certainly have Slack and tools that are helping us build up productivity. Um, and we focus on that, but you have to temper that with 
um, engagement. And that's around this like very human element. How do we connect with people, get to know them? So our onboarding is something we've worked on really continue to work on it. How do we make people feel like they belong and connect and what's their piece? So that's a big focus as you're growing. Are you giving people the right context, the right tools, the right level of uh, ownership so they can run with it? So that's, it's hard to get right. I don't know any companies that do that really, really well, but yeah. that's where we're striving to like excel. Okay. Fix onboarding, fix engagement, and then give people the tools that they can get data, understand the business, talk to each other. So when we actually started, TFG's on Microsoft, and um, we were all Slack, Google, <laughs> Stacks, and that was kind of the first thing we changed, saying, okay, no, we, we need the tools that we're comfortable with, yeah. that speak to our culture, and we all moved over onto Slack and Gmail, which was another, a story for another day. <laughs> When it comes to, you know, everything that you're talking about, I want to drill down, you know, a little bit uh, more on this issue of, you know, that remote working environment, yeah. right? Because, you know, for a company, like you said, TFG has been around for 100 years. One of the biggest things that people had to grapple with is uh, remote working and, you know, what does all of that mean? And you guys are, a com are as, a, as a startup, you guys started post the pandemic and uh, that means you had to you know instill all the principles we've just spoken about uh, this ethos the culture all of that you know in a remote you know environment yeah how have you actually gone about you know ensuring that you're able to build that culture but also at the same time be in a state where you're starting out plus you're scaling yeah. all in this uh, environment where there's limited you know face-to-face -face time so we haven't gotten it right. <laughs> Maybe that's the honest answer. Yeah. We, so we defined a, an approach called flexible and digital as an, a like working model and operating model. And the idea was you can't deny the advantages of remote work. So I guess in the past, in our, all our past lives, which was now two years ago, which was, you know, that was history now. Mm. Um, we said, oh, we have an environment where we give people agency. Yeah. But you must come to work from eight to five. <laughs> you know, so that's, yeah. it's like testing our mindset around what business should be and yeah. how we should operate and how you develop levels of trust. So we've mostly run in an environment for the last 18 months where it's incredibly flexible. We, mm. have, team, we have engineers in Johannesburg, some people in Durban, and we've gone distributed. But it hasn't come without its challenges. Yeah growing, having new people join every month, how, how they join, which teams they go to, and then changing the org design and structure as we go has been really hard. So what have we done well? I think we've given people a lot of agency, yeah. but it's reminding ourselves and everyone that you cannot replace human connection. Mm. And so we now have a bit more structure to our program mm. where you can't go work from Portugal unfortunately, if you work yeah. for Bash, um, <laughs> you have to be within reach of coming in for certain events. Okay. And we've structured events that's better in person. Yeah. Um, so there's product roadmaps, ideation sessions, we bring everyone together for those. Mm. And there's a different cadence for different events. Um, but essentially people are coming in a couple times a month and at least um, for team days or sessions. And this is in our different hubs around Cape Town or Johannesburg. Mm. So we've kind of structured these like almost forced in-person events that are 
really engaging and intentional. Like come in to meet people, to do something. And there's actually more and more people who want to be in the office. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So we've, we've created like lots of office activations, mm. different things happen at the office. So I think it's going to be really exciting. We've kind of plotted a roadmap ahead to say like, the concept is the office is going to be better than your home. <laughs> um, that's going to take a lot of work, but I think it's a cool way to think about it. Like, why would you leave your home? It is more productive. Mm. Well, you want to see friends. You want to have creature comforts around you. You want to have creative sessions and maybe a quiet place to work. I have twins. I love going to the office. Mm. I'm like out the door Monday morning as quick as possible. So all the other parents in, uh, at the office, because it's hard to work at home when you've got young children. Yes. So we're seeing a shift. Huh? There's like 9% of our, our team that wants to be fully remote. Mm. Um, and the rest are swaying to hybrid. I think people are missing that connection. Probably going to be one of the biggest ongoing debates, you know, just totally. around, you know, this issue of in office, you know, fully remote, you know, that yeah. hybrid situation. Uh, but I wanted to drill down on the tools. I think you had started uh, talking a little bit earlier on about, you know, the organization previously was, yeah. you know, on other platforms and then there was a switch. You know, how have Salesforce's offerings, you know, come into play for Bash? Well, Slack is kind of the forefront of, of our productivity tooling and we're starting to add in more tools as we go because look we're new and and at this stage a lot of it is figuring out what TFG has in their offering and what we want to use or transform or need so from a people engagement we're working towards um, we started this new tool called small improvements lots of like recognition feedback structures I guess there's a whole host of tools and at this stage we're letting it kind of go free reign. Let the teams ride with what they need. Um, obviously someone's thinking about scale at some point, but we, we're, we're working towards that. So there's tons of interaction around tools and then this drive to what can we automate? How much information can we get? Incredibly data driven. Um, so we rely on uh, ClickSend, Snowflake, bringing in customer, single customer view. So that's gonna be a huge road for us. Um, really optimizing the customer database. We don't have anything specific right now. We're basically cleaning data just to make sure we got something that we can build a foundation against. Okay, cool. So it really does sound as if you guys have, you know, a lot, you know, that's going on and, uh, you know, fast growing company, um, you know, scaling at the moment, 200 employees, different tools that you guys are using. But over on the customer side that you had just started, um, you know, talking about right now, one can imagine, you know, I've actually been part of a startup here and there, and there's a lot of user testing that happens, yeah. you know. And one of the biggest dangers or risks is that in implementing some of the feedback, you might go and break what's already there. How do you guys actually ensure uh, the fact that uh, you are able to do the user testing, implement all the changes, but without, um, you know, causing disruption to the overall um, customer yeah. experience. I guess it's coming back to the principles as a starting point, because if you are going to be customer led, it's not a disruption. It's, it's almost ingrained. It's a necessity. So the culture of iteration is super important. And I think the, the UX, you know, our product design teams are constantly running user testing, A-B tests, finding out what's a better experience for the customers, and that has to be part of the roadmap. Huh? There's, a, there's a lane that's on continuous improvement, essentially. What does this customer experience 
look like we've got tons of controls in place, so measuring drop-off, measuring um, click-throughs, understanding where the customer is hovering, and you know that whole process is built into the product cycle, essentially. Yeah. We do run ahead, I guess, at times with innovation, and then you pull it back to say, where did we go, of course, or like scope creep, or you're so excited, you know, there's like all this opportunity at your fingertips, but have you done the, you know, the groundwork or the rigor? So I think it's keeping each other honest. Is it customer first? Is it customer led? We have to change the current environment. We know that we have to because it's not the best customer experience. And that's what Bash Beta is aiming to do. We launch in beta. And the idea with beta is that we're gathering data to say, when is this experience good enough? When are we going to be proud of this, um, these features? What should we change? And we've changed plenty since we launched in beta. So you might not see it right now on the, on the site, but um, you can fill in a survey. We're running all these different kind of live testing. So people kind of sign up to give, give feedback. And we're, it's shaping the experience. And when it comes to that, because you are talking about how you actually go about, you know, getting this feedback uh, from your customers, from your users, uh, there's the sign-up process, like you said, and you're constantly churning out this data, but there's the excitement, you know, that you spoke about just now. Yeah. And uh, as someone who's dealt with developers, I know, you know, you want, you know, to build the, they want to build a mansion, yes. yet all you need is a small <laughs> cottage. Yeah. Um, when, you know, how do you guys decide with all the data? you know, that you're at the point where, you know, your small cottage can now graduate to becoming a townhouse and slowly but surely, um, you know, the market will catch up. I guess luckily for us, there are playbooks out there. Yeah. Omnichannel is new in South Africa and I think there's a lot to perfect, you know, crossing over between store and, and online and making sure that that experience is seamless. But in emerging markets in Brazil, there's excellent examples of companies that have moved from bricks retailer into omnichannel and they're changing the country's landscape. These are great examples. Walmart, you know, they've done a huge transformation effort. There's tons in, in the UK. So we've got a playbook. Um, how we apply that in a South African context is going to be customer driven. So we've got a lot of I guess, examples of great milestones in this journey towards creating an omni-channel platform and capability in South Africa. But we need customers to validate the order, the timelines, and, and I guess engineer limitations are real for all tech companies. Um, do you have the right engineers? Do you have enough engineers? Yeah. Can you build the engineering team up with the same culture, drive innovation at a fast pace? Not easy to do. So. You have to weigh up all these constraints. When I think bringing product roadmaps together is probably one of the biggest challenges most companies face. How do you prioritize? What's the mechanism? So we've got our, I guess, top line targets, but how you apply them in reality is not always easy. So we have to let customers largely dictate. Now, data really does seem to be a big theme, you know, that we are running on when it comes to this particular discussion. And uh, it looks like you guys have gone out, you know, quite literally gone out into the market. If you're looking at insights in places like Brazil, etc., how people are going about, you know, their omni-channel, yeah. you know, types of strategy. 
But one of the things that you guys benefit from, and I would like to call it a privilege, you know, is the fact that there is that TFG link. And uh, one can imagine that that's likely a huge source of data, you know, for you guys to actually look at given the, the size of their footprint and their operations, right? So how have you guys actually gone about integrating uh, some of that Foshini Group data? Uh, what does that type of market research look like? I mean, data is one of our core principles. Um, we actually have weaved it into being radically simple. It's really hard to be simple if you don't know what data backs any, you know, your decisions that you're making. You can't really simplify it without. And it is definitely a privilege. I think the reason we joined TFG was because of the assets that they've built up. Um, customers and data is one of them. Stores, they have over 3,000 stores countrywide. So that network and the logistics that goes with that is a massive unlock for the country. And, and I guess if you look at it from a data perspective, if you're going to build an omni-channel platform, you, you're trying to interweave these worlds yeah. um, from digital to um, physical. And, and so having that, the access to that data is massive. We've got a super hot data team. And they have gone into the depths of this organization, <laughs> the dark tunnels that exist. Um, and essentially, we're taking the data from their running of the business. Um, we're all part of the same group, so uh, you know, from a legality, that's fine. And then we're trying to shape how we improve that experience yeah. through data. So it's a massive feat that the team's taking on, understanding how the data structures are stored, what we can unlock, where we can unlock it. So there's, there's been a huge effort and that's been our starting point. We have to actually understand the data that we're looking at, understand the business. Um, and I think retailers, especially a federated business, they run so differently, huh? Everyone, yeah. it's, there's 29 kind of huge household South African brands that all run in their own way. And now we're this little lab <laughs> taking all this data, yeah. making it really digestible. And this is the, 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 I guess, beauty of their openness and influence. It's like, yeah. okay, we're gonna start unlocking a lot of this data to support our mission, but also for the greater good of the, the group. Mm. Um, so it's been, it's been many, many hours of engineering, unpacking, cleaning, redoing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that's, that, that's been a massive unlock. You mentioned the word legacy earlier on, and I can imagine, you know, trying to dig through, you know, some of that, uh, yes. some of that data, especially if it's coming off of some of the older systems and all of that. Uh, but you know, with your team digging through the trenches of all of this data, um, one can imagine that uh, the disruption issue, you know, it comes back again. You know, yes. we spoke about it earlier on because you're scaling. And then at the same time, you're also, you know, beta testing a lot of things. How do you maintain, you know, that consistency, um, you know, when it comes to uh, that, uh, that customer experience? Yeah. We probably don't maintain it. I guess it's about improving it as you go. Huh? It's, like at the moment, it's not great. Um, there's lots we have to improve. So using data is the one, the one, I guess, biggest piece. Let's track what is working, what's not working. And it's about the speed of iteration. Um, and maybe some of the point is that, like, you have to have that disruptive mindset to be great. Huh? You have to challenge your own assumptions about the work that you're doing. If you get stuck on, like, this was excellent and we want to maintain it 
well, we just fall into the same trap that I guess a lot of these huge companies fall into. So I guess our biggest challenge is to maintain or have a consistent experience across store and online. And that's going to be our uh, biggest product challenge. How do you ensure inventory and um, consistency within the tech digitizing stores is mimicked online? Um, so that's hugely exciting in terms of innovation, but it's also incredibly challenging. Adding to the complexity that you guys are dealing with uh, beyond just the online, offline, specifically on customers, is the fact that uh, there are so many different you know, target groups and audiences that you guys are going after. At the beginning, we started off by talking about how you guys have over 400 categories yeah. um, and you guys have your different product ranges. And one can imagine that you guys are trying to appeal to a very diverse group of people, diverse communities. Um, how are you guys actually using um, the platforms and some of this technology to actually ensure uh, that you're able to reach um, such a diverse audience? Yeah, I think it, th this is, this is, I. I hope in time where our mission leads is really to diversify enough that we can create an emerging market opportunity. Mm. Uh, our, a lot of our mission is about bringing people together. How do we create communities that prosper? Mm. And if you have such a vast customer base, um, it allows you to think about technology differently to enable that customer base in different areas. We also now have the backing of stores in incredibly remote places. So that opportunity to interact with um, technology that these remote areas would have never had, mm. it opens up a new world for us. So we're certainly trying to appeal to a wide audience. I guess at this stage, we are just trying to get the e-commerce experience um, to the right level with the fundamentals that will allow us to scale. But if you really, kind of start to research and put your mind to this. Leveraging Omnichannel creates massive opportunities. People to interact with the platform, how do they use it, how, do they, how does it open up new sellers, things like that. So I think that TFG's current brands have a huge range mm. from Jet to Fabiani, which is the um, one of, you know, one of the more luxury brands. Jet has a huge, huge customer base. So it's an interesting product challenge and customer experience challenge to see how you can build a platform that enables or appeals to such a wide audience versus some niche e-commerce site or specific e-com site that is very targeted. This you have to think about more diverse, maybe not as um, focused on getting the particular elements right, but the journey has to be really seamless. Now, bringing everything together as we are rounding up the discussion, Bailey, is the issue of iteration, right? Anyone who's done project management, specifically anything that's technology and systems related, development, et cetera, understands it's an iterative process. How have you guys gone about iterating and how do you use the data to actually help you um, to iterate? I think it's about building incrementally and then testing and seeing what's working, what's not working. We definitely have that approach and often you build too far ahead, you have to pull it back anyway because by the time you get to the end it doesn't, you know, it doesn't meet what you needed to meet. Yeah. So I guess in the beginning we wanted to do too much and then you're so spread out, spread too thin, can't really test to the level that you wanted to. So it's been a journey on kind of honing the team in, working in sprints where we can iterate and then test, iterate, test. Um, so I think we're getting those 
foundations on kind of building great products in place. Yeah. Um, and certainly informed by data. Lots of dashboards, lots of measuring minute by minute, second by second, from load to you know the sales funnel. It's all it's all in there. So we yeah, I guess we're iterating on where we're seeing the outliers or seeing the gaps or not having it hit the targets. So it really does sound like, uh, a, I guess, can, can I call it a consistent um, system of improvement or at least that uh, you have to be intentional with the system of improvement because yeah. that's how the system is going to get better. That's how the platform yeah. um, is going to get better. So thank you so much, Bailey, for shedding some light. Um, you know, into how you guys at Bash are actually using, you know, the data to actually take things forward and especially, um, you know, as being part of uh, TFG and how you guys are helping the company, you know, to move forward. So that's been it for this discussion, you know, very fascinating um, hearing some of the insights, you know, from Bash around how they are using technology. Also very interesting just to see how much growth they've been able to achieve in a very short uh, amount of time. But you can literally hear uh, that uh, the challenges that they are facing are the same challenges uh, that you hear about in the rest of the technology industry, particularly around startups and uh, businesses that are scaling. How do you use data? We talk about uh, data, uh, but having some of these uh, unified um, you know, approaches you know, to seeing you know, the same view on customers the same view um, on the employee very important so that's been it uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, watching and listening uh, to this episode we are engaging in uh, conversations around issues that are important uh, to technology businesses in and around Africa thank you so much this has been another edition of Tech Force Africa this was Tech Force Africa. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a star rating and a review. See you next time.